This is Gateway City Sports. Hey, welcome to the bleachers. I got a prime seat up here. We got a lot of sports to cover, so let's get to it. This is Talking Sports on the Bleachers with Don Glenn. A confident young man, a superb athlete. A look at the sports issues of the day. Gee, that sounds kind of interesting. Grab a seat, pop a cold one, and let's talk some sports. Holy cow! Gentlemen, start your engines! Throwing on the shotgun here at the snap. Romo looking, dumps it off right side. Intercepted! Intercepted the goal line by Woodson! And there is your Gallagher! Pujols with a widespread stance, arms out over the plate. Bickford from the stretch. The 1 1 pitch. A swing, and there it goes! to the bleachers folks you know it's super bowl sunday and uh, we're going to take a look at that game this week we're going to take a look into uh, college basketball and we're going to look at the spring training which is right around the corner as is the st louis Battlehawks' first game plus there's been a little talk about the blues so if you've been here before, you know the drill. You can go out and get a beer right now while I tell everybody else how we do things around here. We break the show into four segments. And the first segment, which is a leading off, is about a hot topic of the day. Uh, then we have the under further review. Now that is where I take a look at something that's, uh, oh, little tidbits here and there. Or it could be a sport. It could be a player. It could be a team. Just whatever I think needs a little closer look-see. In the college notebook section, we take a look at the NCAA, and that could be the Tigers. It could be the Illinois Illini. It could be maybe even SLU, maybe Southern. Uh, could just be a general NCAA. Just We're going to take a look at the college in that segment. Then under the arch is where I look at 
St. Louis related where it comes to like the Cardinals, the Blues, the Battle Hawks, things of that nature. So sit back, grab yourself some Kansas City ribs or a Philly cheesesteak, grab a cold one from the cooler. We're going to talk sports. Now here's talking sports on the bleachers. We are a proud part of Gateway City Sports. If you say you're looking for sports news and stories about the St. Louis Bi-State area, hey, I've got a place for you. It's gatewaycitysports.com. Now, at Gateway City Sports, we strive to bring you news and articles that are all about the St. Louis Bi-State area, covering the Battle Hawks, the Blues, the Cardinals, Missouri Tigers, the Fighting Illini. Our team of writers, like Russ Robinson, Brian Papaswope, Gene Bonds, and Derek King, they even let me write from time to time. We try to bring you as much as we can, but we will miss things. We know we miss things. If there's a sport you follow and we're not covering it, let us know about it. We'll see what we can do. You say you want podcasts? Hey, we got podcasts for you. If you're a Cardinal fan and you've got a Cub fan that's a friend or a family member, have them come over and listen to the Team of Rivals with Ron Nuttall, Pete Geddes, and Elliot Dewey. If you're looking for this Cardinal content that maybe some guests thrown in, well, that's a winner. Podcast is the one for you with Ryan Jenkins and Josh Brown. More Redbird content? Got you covered. It's the Mighty Moose, Mike Stevenson with the 243. Then, of course, there's the Derek King Sports Show with the aforementioned Derek King. So, so if you want more than just the humdrum sports shows and articles, then check out gatewaycitysports.com. You're going to like what you see. Leading off, it is Super Bowl Sunday, Super Bowl 57 from Glendale, Arizona, featuring the Kansas City Chiefs against the Philadelphia Eagles. Both teams are 16-3. and Both teams have a hot quarterback and they're kind of different also philadelphia is built on a very staunch defense while the kansas city chiefs have a one of the more prolific offenses in football you know this just feels more like a uh more like a heavyweight prize fight so maybe they should have played this in las vegas what do you think i don't know but anyway let's go and break this down a little bit for kansas city you've got patrick mahomes um Good, solid, young passing quarterback. Uh, I think he's got a very special awareness. I think he knows, you know, the way he passes. If you just watch him, he's got this, I don't know if it's a, you want to call it a sixth sense. I, I don't really know what it is. It's just he seems so natural back in the pocket. And, you know, if he's forced out and has to has to bootleg it for a little bit, he can do that too. Um, but he's involves all his receivers and not just – once here and once there. I mean, he tries to get every one of them involved in the game. He knows where they're all at. Um, you know, I, I just, I, I really like the way the kid plays. Um, you know, there's a lot of people saying he's you know, he's destined for the Hall of Fame. And, you know, while I think it might be a little early for that, I can definitely see where they're coming from. Um, you know, he's only been in the league five years. But in those five years, he's thrown for 24,241 yards, 192 touchdowns. He's rushed for 1,500 yards and 12 touchdowns. Uh, you know, and like I said, he's only 27. So this kid, you know, this kid's got it. Um, now this year, he 
led the league in passing yards with 5,240 or 250, and led the league uh, AFC that is in 41 um, touchdowns. He also ran for 358 yards and four more touchdowns, and he was the AFC's MVP. Uh, that's enough credits for almost anybody, but I don't think he's done yet. I think he wants to get that Super Bowl crown. I think he wants another one. He's got one ring. I think he wants a second one. Now, on the other side of the ball, you got Jalen Hurts. Uh, he's only 24. He's only been in the league three years, but he's a, he's probably one of the better running quarterbacks, or one of the best running quarterbacks, really, if you stop and think about it. Um, he's only thrown for 7,900 yards in three years he's been in the league with 44 touchdowns. He's ran for 1,898 yards and another 26 touchdowns. Now, this year's numbers, uh, he threw for 3,700 yards, completing 66.5% of his passes for 22 touchdowns, ran for another 600 or 760 yards and 13 more touchdowns on the ground. So you've got two good quarterbacks that are the highlights of their offenses, but they don't do it alone. Uh, now with Kansas City, um, Mahomes has got, like I said, plenty of targets, but of course, how do you go wrong with a guy like Travis Kelsey on your team? I mean, when you got a tight end like Travis Kelsey, um, I don't know what to say about that. I mean, you, you've got him. What else do you really need? <laughs> no, you do need other people, but but Kelsey is probably one of the, he's probably the best all around tight end I think I've seen in a long time. He can block, he can run, he can do the crossing routes, he can do uh, flat route. I mean, just you know, give him give him the play and he'll run it. That's all. That's about what you can say with Travis Kelsey. Um, now he's uh, has. Uh, 1,338 yards receiving this year with 12 touchdowns. And he's not the only touchdown machine through the air for Mahomes as running back Jarek McKinnon um, doesn't get any touchdowns coming out of the backfield, but he sure can catch them. 56 catches, 512 yards, nine touchdowns. And this year Mahomes, and this is a stat I find very interesting, he has thrown to nine different receivers for multiple touchdowns. Now, you hear the saying, well, he you know, he threw to nine different nine receivers this year, scored touchdowns. You know, you may have three or four but only have one. He's got five or six that have two or more touchdowns. So he's he's not just finding these guys obscurely. He knows where they're at and that's why and that's why I said early. He hits those, he knows where all his routes are at. Um now you also have a modest running attack with Kansas City. Uh, Isaiah Pacheco, uh, 830 yards this year with five touchdowns. Uh, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, who combined only came up with 453 yards rushing and receiving, but he did score six, six touchdowns. So they can kind of beat. You know, they've got they've got the the running game that complements the passing game. Uh, now again, like I said with Philadelphia, you've got Jalen Hurts. And people say, well, what more do you need? Well, it's not what more they need. It's what more they've got. Uh, you've got running back Miles Sanders, 1,269 yards, 259 carries for 11 touchdowns. And then you've got a receiving tandem of A.J. Brown, 88 catches, 1,496 yards with 11 scores. And Devonta Smith, 
95 receptions, 1,196 yards, and seven scores. So like I said, both those guys, they've got help out there. Now, counteracting that help, Philly has obviously got the defense. That that is their strong suit. That is their, their calling card. That is how they've built that team, defense. Uh, they lead the league in a number of defensive categories. Um, or they lead the league, but they're high in the league in a number of defensive categories. And yards per game, uh, they're second. And they're eighth in points per game, uh, fifth in turnovers. They've pulled 17 interceptions and 70 sacks. So quarterbacks don't like this, this, that defense. Part of the secondary that's making that happen is C.J. Gardner-Johnson, he's got six picks. Uh, Darius Slay with three interceptions, 14 passes defended. James Bradbury has three picks with 17 passes defended. And you don't do that by accident. You do that because you've got something of a decent pass rush. Philadelphia has more than a decent pass rush. Uh, Team leading, uh, team sack leader, linebacker, Hassan Reddick, uh, 16 sacks. Uh, defensive tackle Javon Hargrave. Defensive ends Josh Sweat and Brandon Graham all have 11 sacks each. T.J. Edwards leads the team in total, in total tackles with 159. 99 of those are solo tackles. So you've got a really, really staunch team, and they've proved it. I mean, you look at the last couple games in the playoffs – they held the Giants to one score. They held uh, 49ers to one score. And, you know, I don't I don't know if they're going to – I don't think they're going to hold Kansas City to one score. But, you know, it's going to be very tough for Kansas City to, uh, to score against this defense. Now, on the flip side of that, um, the Chiefs' offense is a little bit – a little bit different, a little bit better than what they've faced against uh, – against uh, the New York Giants or San Francisco um, in that I think they're, you know, obviously you've got a better quarterback and you've got a, you know, a couple of really good uh, receiving options. I think where what they're going to have to do and, and I, and Philly can do it, I think is they're going to have to do whatever they can to stop the pass and make Philly run the ball. Because they're not that, or make uh, excuse me, Kansas City run the ball because um, uh, Kansas City is just not as prolific a running team as they are a passing team. And if they can do that, if they can not necessarily shut Mahomes down, but limit his options to his targets, uh, rush him effectively to keep him um, on the run. Uh, I mean, like I said, he can run, but he's not. He's not. He's not Jalen Hurts, but he can run. But you got to keep him uh, contained in the pocket and under pressure. And I think uh, if Philly can do that, um, you know, I like I like their chances. And so I'm going to call it as a 28 to 23 win by the Philadelphia Eagles. The call on the field stands. Touchdown. Under further review, here's a few things I found out about Sunday's game. Patrick Mahomes. Is only the third player in the NFL history to throw 70 or more touchdowns in their first 32 games. Now, coincidentally, he also is the leader in that category. 
Uh, he threw 79 touchdowns between 2017 and 2020. The other two guys, second place is Dan Marino, 76 touchdowns from 1983 to 1985, and Kurt Warner, 73 touchdowns from 1998 to 2001. He's in pretty good company. Now you put put him in those two guys. That's good. That, that's rarefied air right there. I'm telling you. This year, Jalen Hurts became only the fourth quarterback to pass for 20 or more touchdowns and run for 10 or more touchdowns in the same season. Now, the other three are Kyler Murray in 2020 with Arizona, Cam Newton, he did it twice, 2011 and 2015, both with Carolina, and Cordell Stewart did it in 1997 with Pittsburgh. Uh, This Super Bowl is the first one where brothers are going to oppose each other. Uh, you have for uh, for the Philadelphia Eagles, six-time Pro Bowl selection, five-time All-Pro center, Jason Kelsey. Now, he'll suit up for, for, like I said, for Philly, while his brother, Travis Kelsey, who eh, has some hardware in his own right, uh, he's only an eight-time Pro Bowl selection, four-time All-Pro, and a member of the All-2010s Hall of Fame team. He's suiting up for the Chiefs, so you got that little storyline going there. You know, um, I don't know how Mama Mama's going to handle that. I mean, she, you know, I guess uh, she's going to root for a high-scoring game. <laughs> also, Super Bowl Fifty Seven will be the first Super Bowl to feature two starting black quarterbacks. Each team, gonna, you know, uh, you haven't had that before. Uh, there's been some great, really good black quarterbacks play, but never. Both teams having a starting black quarterback. So it's the first time that's going to happen. Uh, over again. Coach Andy Reid of the Kansas City Chiefs will be his. This will be his third Super Bowl. Uh, his first Super Bowl was in 2005 with the Philadelphia Eagles, uh, where they lost, and he won uh, in 2020 with the Kansas City Chiefs over the San Francisco 49ers. Uh, this will be the fifth time that KC has made the Super Bowl. Uh, they won it back in 1970 against Minnesota. And then, of course, uh, to 2020 when they beat uh, San Francisco. Uh, in 67, they lost to Green Bay, 35-10. to 10, And in 2021, they lost to Tampa Bay, 31-9. to 9. I think the rule of thumb there is don't play a city with the team with the name Bay after them which maybe that means San Francisco should change their name to the San Francisco Bay 49ers. Eh, just a thought. This is the fourth Super Bowl for the Philadelphia Eagles. They won it back in 2018, 41-33 over the New England. They lost in 1981 to Oakland, and they lost in 2005 to New England. So there's your facts and tidbits for Super Bowl 23. And I tell you what, you know, big games like this, there's just a lot of stress. I mean, you've got all the, the I mean, there's stress any time in, in, when you're going to a game. But now you're talking the, the championship game. You're talking um, millions and millions and millions of eyes upon you as opposed to just a regional regular regular season game or even a playoff game. You know, you're talking the the high stress of, uh, of uh, interviews and all that kind of stuff. It's almost like buying a car because you could, you know, you buy a car, you've got the stress of the taxes, you've got the licensing fees, you've got picking the right car, you've got all that kind. Of, but there's a company looking to change all that, 
Fifth Street Motors, located at 2044 Rose Lane in Pacific, Missouri. See, at Fifth Street Motors, they want to make sure your car buying experience is less stressful. They will help you find the vehicle you need, no matter what brand. At Fifth Street Motors, they believe in giving you the absolute best price on a pre-owned vehicle that's going to fit your budget. Check out what stress-free car buying can be. Give Brandon or Don a call today, 573-259-1306. That's 573-259-1306. And tell them Don Glenn from Talking Sports on the Bleachers sent you. Now, the NCAA Notebook. Well, with the conference tournament right around the corner, that means March Madness is fast approaching. So let's take a look at what you might be seeing in the next few weeks here. Um, If you go by the top 25, and a lot of people use the AP rankings for the top 25, this is what they center around, then you would look and you'd see that, like, Purdue, Houston, Alabama, Arizona, you know, they're looking to be, they look to be the the ones who are going to, I get your number one seeds, if you will, or the top seeds. Um, bracketology experts are somewhat mixed, however, though, uh, when they look at it. And, you know, bracketology is not an easy science. I mean, so many things go into it. You've got uh, the different elements. Uh, you've got the Kempom rankings. You've got the net rankings. You've got uh, strength of schedule, and you're looking at uh, how they and when they played and, and what the teams were. It, there's so much that goes into it. You know, I'm not a bracketology expert, and I didn't even play one on TV, so I don't know. But here's my thoughts, uh, if you will, on uh, where things stand at the moment. Um, I'm going to start with uh, what I think is probably the lock as far as number one seeds go. And uh, Alabama. I think uh, they're number three in the AP, number two in Kempom, number two in net. They've got six and six uh, quad one wins and six quad two wins. They're have a they're the third toughest uh, schedule. Third uh, strength of schedule is third. Um, and outside of a total collapse, I think they're a lock. I mean, like I said, they are uh, uh, twenty-two and two. I think. Uh, uh, so I think they're a lock. Houston twenty three and two. Uh, no, excuse me. Alabama's twenty two and three. Uh, Houston twenty three and two. Uh, they are number one in Kempom, number two in the AP, number one in the net. They've got four quad one wins, seven quad two wins. Uh, now their strength of schedule is fifty three. Uh, they're kind of far down there, but they're still in the, in the, you know in the top. Well, I guess in the, it would be in the top 64 <laughs> if you're talking the tournament. Uh, so, But while that's not an eye-opener, I think you can still make a solid case for them to be a number one seed. Purdue Boilermakers, they're 23-2, number one in AP, number five in Kempom, number four in the net. They've got nine quad one wins, three quad two wins. Now, their strength of schedule is, is uh, their 48th. Um, 
So, I mean, it's not a great strength of schedule, but then again, it's still fairly solid. And I think as long as they can keep winning, I think they've got a number one seed in their grasp. Now, you know, they've got some tough games coming up. Uh, I know they've got, I think they've still got, uh, I know they've got Illinois, and I think they've got Indiana coming up. Uh, Northwestern, I think, is another game. So I think they're going to have a little bit of a tough go. Uh, but, you know, they've been shown, they've been pretty resilient. So we'll see how that comes out. Uh, another one is Kansas, 20-5. and five. They're number 9 AP, number 10 net, number 9 Ken Palm, 10 quad one wins and 4 quad two wins. And their strength of schedule, they're the toughest schedule. They're number one in strength of schedule. You know, and they also are the defending champion. So that's going to play into it as well. Uh, but are they good enough to be a number one seed? Some analysts have them on that one line. Some have them on the two line. Uh, I think they can make that number one line. But they are going to have to win out. I uh, They've got a really tough game coming up into the season. Uh, with Texas, I mean, that game could be for a number one seed, and I'll tell you why in just a second, because Texas is my next team I'm going to talk about. And they are 20-5, and five, a number five AP, number five Kempom, nine, number nine net. They've got eight quad one wins, two quad two wins. Now, they're, they've got a uh, 15th uh, toughest schedule, and they've been near the top of college basketball all season. They've been in and out, in and out, in and out. Um, so... I don't. I think they've got what it takes to slip into that number one. Uh, I mean, I think they're. I think they're a solid number two. Uh, but you know, they could slip into that number one if uh, other teams on that bubble area or in that uh, that that gray area don't make it. Um, and like I said, they've got that game coming up with Kansas at the end of the season, so that could be the tell-all right there. Uh, UCLA, 20-4. and four. They're number 7 AP, number 3 in the Kempom, and number 5 in net. They've, only, they've got 3 quad 1 wins and 7 quad 2 wins. Their strength of schedule is 36th, uh, so it's not a bad strength of schedule. Um, now, the only problem with their Kempom, or their quad 1 wins, is they've also lost 4 quad 1s. So, a sub-500 quad 1 is not what you really want to see. Um... I don't know if they can make the number one seed. I think they're solidly a number two, um, but you never can tell. Again, you know, you got some teams that that have run into some hard luck, and they might be able to sneak their way in there. Tennessee at nineteen and six. Now you might think this is a that I'm that I'm smoking something funny here, but they're number six in the AP, number five in the net, number four in Kimbom. So they're right on that line. They've got five quad one wins, three quad two wins. Um, their strength of schedule is 25. They're 25th in strength of schedule. Uh, they've still got a couple weeks left, and they have a chance to improve that quad one total. Uh, but they've got a, a fairly tough road to hoe. They've got Alabama. Uh, uh, Kentucky is somewhat of a you – know, can, can be a, a sleeper. Uh, you've got – they've got Arizona – or excuse me, Arkansas and Auburn to play yet. Uh, so they've got some more quad one wins that they can put onto that uh, – on that resume, and it's going to take those wins, I think, because uh, they're going to have to really uh, buckle down and get some wins because only 19 wins, I don't see that making the line. I think they're going to have to have at least 25. Uh, I'm not sure they've got that many games left. Uh, I know they've got uh, – yeah, they might have. I think they're right at that. So they're going to have to get all their, their wins and uh, hope like heck uh, uh, somebody slips and falls. 
They don't have to fall hard. Maybe you know a loss or two here and there. Arizona is 22 and three. They are number four AP, number eight net, number ten Kempom, six quad one wins, five quad two wins. They like Purdue have a fairly high or fairly low, however you want to put it, strength of schedule. Their strength of schedule is 58. Uh, so, but they're a solid team, and they can be. I mean, they're definitely a solid two. Um, and but another one could slip up to that that one line if you. You know, if Kansas and Texas uh, don't get there, if uh, Purdue falls, I think that the, uh, Arizona is a team that could just slip right into that number one. Um, you've got other teams also that are in that uh, uh, 16 team or uh, top four seeds. Um, when you got like Baylor and Kansas State and Virginia, Xavier, or I- Iowa State, Marquette, Gonzaga, you got UConn. Uh, now some other teams I think that are in there too. Um, Indiana, seventeen and seven, uh, eighteen AP, twenty net, a twenty-one Kempom, four quad, one wins. Um, the blemish I think that they've got is they're just. I mean, they with the four quad wins, they got six quad and one losses. So they're going to have to improve that. Uh, their strength of schedule, they're 39th. Um, now, most, a lot of people have them on the three line into that, um, or four into the three line in a couple of places. Um, I, they certainly have the team that can that can do that. Uh, they've got some tough games coming up, uh, Northwestern and Purdue, most notably, and Illinois. Um, so... It's going to be really, it's going to be a hard road, uh, and you know they slip a couple games, then they, you know, I think they're they're back into that uh, five area um, in the seating, if you will. St. Mary's is one that I don't think a lot of people are paying attention to. They're twenty-one and five, uh, number fifteen AP, number six net, number eight Kim Pom. So I think the media is not quite giving them their just deserves here. I mean, when you look at something like that and you see a 15 AP, but you see uh, the net and the and the Kempom have them higher, somebody's underrating these guys. Um, they've only got two quad one wins, but they got six quad twos. Their strength of schedule is they've got their 18th in strength of schedule, uh, and they have beaten Gonzaga. Uh, they've beaten San Diego State, and they've got one more game against Gonzaga now. If they can win three or four games, get up to that to around 24 wins, and they can beat Gonzaga a second time, they're going to be uh, a four seed. They will. You just bank on that and thank me in the morning. Uh, Missouri's another team, I think, 19-6. Now, they've got some fairly high rankings. I mean, low, well, higher rankings, not the low rankings is what you want. Uh, 37th AP, 49th net, 54th in Kempom, four quad one wins, four quad two wins, strength of schedule is 65th. So their resume is not great. Uh, and it's, and I know this looks like it could be a stretch, but if they play the way they are capable of playing and they can get on a roll, um, they can they can convince people that they're better than that. And I think they are better than that. I think they're better than those numbers are showing. Um, 
you know, do will they get into that uh, six, the, the 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 sixteen uh, four the the four top four four seeds or top four sixteen seeds, whatever you want to call it? Um, will they make it there? I don't know. I mean, the odds are probably fairly long, but uh, you know, they've they've got uh, a road. They 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 upset Tennessee today uh, or yesterday, Saturday, I should say. Um, so, you know, I think uh, if with that win and and uh, a couple others that they've got, I think their resume is solid. And uh, you know, like I said, they get in that twenty-four win area. You could look at them as a four seed, probably. Uh, Illinois, seventeen and seven, kind of like Indiana right now. They're twenty-six in the AP, or they're kind of between, I should say, Indiana and uh, uh, Missouri, because Illinois is a twenty-six in the AP, twenty-six net, and twenty-two Kempom. Uh, three quad one wins and four quad two wins. 62nd strength of schedule. Now, it's, again, this is like Missouri. May not look like a top 16 resume. But the way they're playing, uh, they, you know, when um, the at one point this season, they were 9-5 and five and 0-3 oh and in the Big Ten. They started the Big Ten season 0-3. Oh since that time, they are eight and two. They are third, tied for third in the Big Ten. Now they've got some games coming up that could alter the entire makeup of the Big Ten because they've got Indiana, Northwestern, Michigan, and Purdue. Tough road, which is why I say you know the the, the resume. If they can pull some wins off there, they've got the resume to make a top sixteen. Um, you know, make that four seed. I mean, right now, I think their projection is a six seed. I think they're better than it. I think they'll end up with a five seed. But um, we'll have to, I'll have to wait uh, for the results. Miami, 19-5. and five. They're 19 in the AP, tw- uh, 30 in the net, 30 in Kempom, six quad one wins, two quad two wins, uh, 46th uh, schedule, uh, strength of schedule. Uh, they have had a rocky conference run as of late, kind of win one, lose one type of thing. Um, but they do own wins against Virginia and Clemson. Um, they have a fairly favorable schedule coming up. So 23 to 25 wins is possible for them. And I think that could put them in that five, maybe four uh, line, if you will. Uh, Florida Atlantic is another team, like St. Mary's. I don't think people are really giving them a lot of uh, look-see and credit, but they should. Um, they're 23-2, and two, uh, 38 Kempom, 18 net, 26 AP. Uh, now, they don't have a lot of quad wins. I'm only two in quad one and three in quad two. Um, but they have uh, a great possibility of, of winning out and making, say, 27-2. and two. And if you get them a 27 and two, even with those low rankings, you're still going to put them, you know, uh, again, probably in that, probably in that five line, could slip to a four. Don't really see it, but I think right now they're looking at them as a seven or an eight. I think they're going to be. I think they actually could be a higher seed than that. Now, I think what's telling here about this whole NCAA season right now is we're not mentioning teams like Wisconsin, Kentucky, North Carolina. Even Duke is sitting down there like a number six or a number seven seed, you know, or number eight actually. In one one um, uh, projection I saw, uh, and we're not talking about singular conferences here. I mean, we're talking, we're looking at, we're talking about teams from the Big Ten, the SEC, the Pac-12, the Big Twelve, 
ACC, or excuse me, AAC, Big East, and ACC, West Coast. These teams are coming from all over. So I think it's probably one of the better years you're going to see a lot of really good basketball when it comes to the tournament time. Um, you know, but in a tournament like this, uh, you don't have a lot of protection. It's, it's, it's one win, or excuse it's a win or go home. You know, there's no uh, no built-in protections you can play another day. You know, and we all know, you know, I know how important protection can be. Because just like a quarterback, let's say, that stays protected in the pocket, you need to have things in your life protected. Because we all know that life can throw you that curve that you just don't expect. And that's where you come in and need Allstate. The Wiley Group has two locations in Festus and Arnold to serve you. They offer home, auto, boat, motorcycle, business, life insurance, investments, and much more. They offer a customized approach that's unique to your situation to make sure you, your family, and your assets are properly protected. They also offer great rates and savings. Give Sean and his team a call today. 636-764-6294. That's... 636-764-6294. They'll help you out with an insurance quote right over the phone, because that's the way they roll. Even give them a call if you just want to talk sports, because they'll do that too. Maybe I should try and call them see if they want to come on the show someday. Eh, we'll try. Anyway, with uh, work and kids and social functions, we all have busy lives. So you can email Sean, Sean Wiley at Allstate.com. That's S-E-A-N-W-I-L-E-Y at Allstate.com. Talk to him about your coverage options. And remember, you're in good hands with Allstate. Under the arts. Well, spring training is right around the corner, so the World Baseball, so is the World Baseball Classic and the Battle Hawks first game. This is this is a really fun time right now. <laughs> I mean, you've got a lot of things getting ready to kick off here. So let's start with the Cardinals first. Spring training, uh, the only major addition to Cardinals made in the offseason, as everybody knows by now, is Wilson Contreras. The spin that they're trying to put out is that Guys like Flaherty and Matts, O'Neal, DeYoung, Carlson, getting those guys back from injury, saying that they're healthy is like adding to the team. Well, you know, there's only so mo- so long you can push that narrative before people start looking at you and calling you a liar. Um, I mean, you know, yes, I understand. Matts, we didn't get to see what he could do. He was hurt. And, you know, he's been good before. So, Yes, maybe getting him healthy is like adding to the team. Uh, the same thing with uh, uh, probably Carlson. I mean, he's only one year removed from being uh, from being a Rookie of the Year candidate, so maybe you look at him. But when you look at a guy like O'Neal, a guy like Flaherty, a guy like DeYoung, 
they haven't had that level of consistency that you can say, this is what we should expect from them. I mean, they've had good parts of years or good years, but not consistent like, uh, you know, and even and even Matts and Carlson really haven't had consistent years, but they just, they've had decent years where you can look and see that, okay, this is what we can expect if he's healthy. And I don't know. I mean, I thought we should have done more. I think a lot of fans thought we should have done more. Uh, I mean, if you look at the outfield, right now, at one time, that outfield was considered the strength of that team. But now it's full of question marks, and they're hoping that we can get a rookie converted third baseman to be the outfield savior. And we're talking about Jordan Walker, of course. I mean, you look at the outfield. Tyler O'Neill showed what he could do when he was healthy in 21. 138 games, 286, 352, 560 with 30 home runs, 80 RBIs. Won a gold glove. Got some MVP votes. He finished eighth that year in the MVP race. Last year, injuries hampered him down to 96 games. He struggled at the plate. Uh, 222, 308, 392, 14 home runs, 58 RBIs. You know, and again, if you look at the years prior to 21, where he didn't play that often, um, his first year he was brought up midseason. Uh, the next year, I think he was playing, uh, he got hurt. Uh, so, you know, it's he hasn't had a, a, a string where he's put a couple seasons together that you can say, hey, you know, this is a what we can expect. Now, maybe he can get back to what he was in 21. I'll settle if he can get back within about 85% of what he was in 21. Um, but we just don't know. We really don't. Uh, then you look, Harrison Bader was hurt most of last year and was traded for Jordan Montgomery. Now, that's probably a good move, but it doesn't help the outfield. Uh, Dylan Carlson struggled um, more from the right side than the left side. I think there's been talk, people were talking about him. He should give up switch hitting because his splits were so completely different between each one um i mean it's a he in, in his rookie season 2021 he was 266 343 437 18 home runs 65 rbis finished third in the rookie of the year uh balloting you know this last season he was down to 236 316 380 eight home runs 42 rbis i mean the, the and now it was shown or uh, released that he was injured the last part of the year, and I'll give you that, but uh, you still need to be better than that. And then you add Lars Newtbar into the mix. Now, Newtbar started out a little rocky in 22, uh, but did finish season season well, although his final numbers wouldn't, you wouldn't think of it with looking at his final numbers. Um, you know, 228, 340, 488, with 14 home runs and 50 RBIs. Uh, again, like I said, most of that was done in the second half of the year after he came back from, from Memphis and uh, the light bulb went on. So I think he's probably going to be a very solid addition to the outfield. Um, I'm looking at him probably playing center uh, or right. I think uh, uh, center field is probably either be him or Dylan Carlson. Uh, now, you know, last year, of course, you had Corey Dickerson was a, was a fairly – bright spot in the outfield he's gone so now you're looking at to back up 
the three, you know, in in, in uh, O'Neill, Newt Barr, and Carlson, you're looking backups for those guys. You're looking at Juan Yepes. You're looking at Alec Burleson. You're, uh, ben Deluzio is gone. You, you don't have him. You do have Moises Gomez. You've got Oscar Mercado. So, you know, you might have some help coming there. Uh, the infield now, I mean, the infield I think is in good shape. I mean, you've got the four, uh, you've got the the two corner stalwarts and NATO and Goldschmidt, uh, Edmund. I think whether he's playing short, whether he's playing second, he's a he's a, a Gold Glover wherever he plays. Brendan Donovan, I think, is going to be relegated to uh, maybe a platoon situation with Gorman before Gorman just takes it over. So I think that's in really good shape as far as that goes. Um, now that's not to say I wouldn't have, now, okay some people and a lot of fans uh, have said that they really were upset because St. Louis didn't go after guys like Trey Turner and Bogarts or anybody like that for shortstop you know and I think when you look at it and 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 also the fact that DeYoung is still on the team but I think when you look at it to go after somebody like that and uh, even though I know a lot of guys, uh, I know Gene Bonds and uh, and a couple of guys over at Gateway, and I've gone around about this uh, numerous times, you know, proven over prospect. But I think the Cardinals thought they had proven at that position. When you had um, Edmund play the way he did, you've got Donovan who can back him up. You know, and DeYoung, whether he's a good hitter, whether he's, he's lost his hitting touch tonight, he's still a very good shortstop. Uh, that's not to say I would not have liked to have seen Trey Turner in Cardinal red as opposed to Philly red, but, uh, you know, it wasn't the way they were going to go. I think they made that. I don't think they made that clear to anyone, but I think they hinted at it enough to where people realized that wasn't the direction they were headed in. And it's something we're going to have to deal with. I mean, and I, and I quite frankly, I'm okay with, I'm okay with Edmund at short. I'm okay with, uh, uh, Donovan or Gorman at second base as long as we're winning. Making those changes and we're winning, then what you didn't do goes out the window. Okay? Uh DH is another op is another position without pool holes now. You gotta see what's going on going on there. Uh you're looking at again a Juan Yepes, a, a Nolan Gorman. You're looking at maybe um Donovan uh you know Certain days when Gorman's playing second base, you put Donovan in at uh, the DH. Um, or if Yepes is playing, has, is covering in the outfield for somebody, then you throw Donovan in again at DH. So I think you're going to have a three or four man rotation in that position. I don't think at any one person, unless, well, I should say, unless one single person just takes it over and and you know, um, and it's going to have to be. Somewhat like a, it's going to be one of those three. It's going to have to just take it over and make make it their position because um, you know Yepes is not going to not going to start ahead of Goldschmidt. He's not that great of an outfielder. Uh, Gorman probably will could start or will start at second base eventually, but you know he's had his struggles. So maybe the DH is a way to work out those plate struggles from against lefties. I don't know. Pitching is another thing. I mean, if you look at the at, you look at the starting rotation, you know it was you've got question marks with can, how much gas does Wayne Wright have in the tank, especially since he's going to be pitching in the baseball in the World Baseball Classic. Uh, can Matt come back from injury? Is 
Flaherty, fully healthy. Um, what are your options after that? Can Hudson be counted on? Can Woodford be counted on? Are you going to bring up Libertor? Uh, do you make Zach Thompson uh, a, a, a reliever? Uh, or is he somebody you can bring in on the rotation if need be? You know, And then speaking of the bullpen, you've got Helsley, you've got Gallegos. But after that, where are you going to go? Um, you know, you don't really have a, a left-hander that you can turn to at this point. I mean, you can say Cabrera. You can say maybe Jojo Romero. But, I mean, I think in, in the one in the one instance, that's the one thing I would have probably gone after in the offseason for the bullpen would have been a solid veteran, proven left-handed reliever. You know, but again, they didn't do it. They're going to go with the kids, roll the dice. We'll just have to see how it works out. Now, speaking of that baseball, World Baseball Classic, the Cardinals have a lot of players in there. So what you're going to see in spring training is you're going to see a lot of these kids. You're going to see the Mason Wins. You're going to see the Jordan Walkers. You're going to see the Alec Burley. You're going to see Moses Gomez. Or, uh, uh, yeah, Gomez. You're going to see Oscar Mercado, a Woodford, get a lot more opportunities than they would normally. Well, you've got Arenado and Goldschmidt and Michaelis and uh, Wainwright playing for Team USA. Uh, you've got Gallegos and Romero for Mexico. You've got Palente, uh, Guillermo Zuninga, uh, Ivan Herrera. Oh, excuse me. Palente playing for Italy. Zuninga is playing for Colombia. Then you got Ivan Herrera playing for Panama. Tommy Edmond is playing for Korea. Lars Nootbaar is playing for Japan. Tyler O'Neill is playing for Canada. So you're going to have a lot of these young pitchers, like a Walsh. You're going to have a, uh, a uh, hence maybe even get a couple rare instances in spring. You're going to have a lot of kids. Zach Thompson is going to get a lot of, uh, of a chance. So... You know, I think you'll you'll see some really you'll see some kids you don't normally see getting a lot of minutes or a lot of minutes, a lot of innings, um, because of the baseball classic this year. Now, Team USA in the baseball classic, they're you talk about loaded, they're loaded. You got Rielamuto, Pete Alonso, Trey Turner, Bryce Harper, Mookie Betts, Mike Trout, Kyle Schwarber. Then on the mound, besides Wayno and Michaels, you got Kershaw. Ottavino, Devin Williams, uh, a couple other teams that are fairly well stocked is uh, the Dominican Republic. You've got uh, Juan Soto, Julio Rodriguez, Wander Franco, uh, Manny Machado, Rafael Devers, Vlad Guerrero Jr., Sandy Alcantara, Luis Garcia, Johnny Cueto's on that team. Venezuela's looking good, too. They've got uh, Carlos Hernandez, Edwin Escobar, Germán Marquez. Uh, Luis Garcia, Martin Perez, Ranger Suarez, or Ranger Suarez, um, you know, along with position players like uh, uh, Eugenio Suarez and Gliber Torres and Jose Altuve, Miguel Rojas, David Peralta, Ron Lacunal Jr. So you got a lot of big names playing in this. Uh, so a lot of you're going to see this from a lot of teams. I think is they're going to be given the uh, uh, kids you wouldn't normally see, but maybe the first week or so, they're going to be playing deeper into spring training to see to see what they've got. St. Louis Battlehawks kick up their season February 19th at 2 p.m. versus the San Antonio Brahmas on ABC TV. 
they'll quickly turn around four days later on the 23rd and they'll travel to Seattle to play the Sea Dragons. Head coach Anthony Beck said, I can't wait to feel the energy of our fans when we get to the home opener. Now, that home opener won't be until March 12th against Arlington Renegades. The Battle of the Hawks will be playing their games at the Dome at America Center. Now, this is the second go-around for the XFL, and they originally started up with the brainchild of WWE owner Vince McMahon. Uh, they played one game in 2020 before something called a pandemic hit, uh, canceled the season, and then they just never got it going again. Um, Dwayne Johnson, uh, Dwayne The Rock Johnson, if you will, and Danny Garcia purchased the league for $15 million, and they've been on a crusade to get it ramped up and started. Uh, all 43 games will be on uh, TV, uh, spread across ABC, ESPN, ESPN2, and FX. So good luck to the Battlehawk. Good luck to the XFL. So on a final note, St. Louis Blues traded Vladimir Tereschenko and Nico Mikola to the New York Rangers for forward Sammy Blaise and defenseman prospect Hunter Skinner. Uh, they also get a conditional first-round pick in 2023 and a conditional fourth-round pick in 2024. Now, Tereschenko had 29 points, uh, 10 goals, 19 assists, and 39 games with the Blue Notes. Uh, Blaze played with the Stanley Cup winning Blues in 2019. He was traded to New York for Pavel Bushnevich. And uh, so he comes back to the team. Now, there's also some rumors that I've heard that the Blues are willing to also deal uh, Ivan Barbashev and Ryan O'Reilly um, to try and add to the team. Uh, you know, some people said that I'm accusing them of rebuilding, but then, but I think it's more that they're reloading, um, getting, uh, trying to get a little younger with certain players and uh, set up a different uh, style, if you will. So we'll see how that all works out. You know, maybe it's time to get Guy Bensing back on. He can kind of give us some more insight there. So, hey, that does it for me today. I hope you enjoyed the show. We can be found on Spotify, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. Be sure to give a review and reach out to the show. The website you can reach out to is talkingsports-otb-gcs.onpodium.com. You can hit me up on Twitter at TSOTBGCS. And as always, check us out on gatewaycitysports.com. Until next time, folks, have fun, stay safe, and we'll see you again when we can talk sports on the bleachers. See you.